0: And now it is my very great delight to have this opportunity on my last day to introduce our beloved Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron. <laughs> Sue, you will be here next week. Not, not singing, but she'll be in the building. Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> you will be here next week. You better. Just saying. Be a good idea. All right. No pressure or anything, but. All right. Um, beautiful. And once again, I've heard that song twice today, and it's just lovely, lovely. Beautiful. Thank you, Anna. I mentioned uh, the first service I'm a counter, I count everything. And it's from, I'm always counting square footage when I go into a building, it's being a contractor and having to measure all the time, and there's 12 ladies singing with Anna today, so significance around 12, I don't know, but I know there's a story in the Bible about that, <laughs> and the feminine energy is leading the way, which is what uh, the Dalai Lama said, the Western woman will, will, save the, will save the world in consciousness, so you're part of it. So what I'm going to invite you to do, and I set it up a little bit the first time. You know, after going to spend time in uh, Brazil with John of God, and I know we... Oh, someone bought a ticket, and that's number 17 or 18? 18, 18. And you have the wrong part of the ticket. You need to go back. The piece that has your name on it so you can be in the draw that you took with you, we need that piece, and you get the other half. So whoever that is, please make sure you set, check with Barb back there at the table. Um, but anyway... Um, you know, the immediacy of spirit was so apparent when I was there. And, and it is what we teach. It was just so profound because you step into that vortex of unconditional love. And it's a bubble. And if you've seen the movie, we're going to show it again next week at 2 o'clock if you're interested in, in just gathering more information. Uh, but, but the immediacy of spirit is, is everywhere present where we are. And what we do when we come together collectively, I believe, is we give more life to that. There's a vibrancy around it. And so we have a number of people here today that have, have questions and, and seeking things. And, and I'm in that with you. I'm always seeking the, new, the newness, the new idea, the new inspiration, the healing or the shifting. And healing is really about bringing together the, the ideal that we have mentally or in our hearts and, and bringing it closer and closer to giving form to it in the experience, which the Hindus would call the Brahma. Brahma shows up in form. So what I'm going to invite you to do is in this moment is preparing us for our our prayer and our song is to think about an experience of love that you've had in your life. And if if it's helpful to close your eyes to think about that, um, please feel free to do that. But to think about an experience of love, maybe it was when you were a child and you received a, a present as a, a Christmas gift or a birthday present or a, a dear friend or a parent or grandparent or, or something, an experience in your life that puts you into a vibrational tone of love. Because you are the thing itself. And so as you shift, as I shift and change energetically, and you do as well, every, we're all shifted. And so to create that same feeling tone and that same vibratory tone of, of what happens with John of God, is our opportunity each and every time we come together. And I know many times it it happens without speaking to it, but I think when we set an intention and we open ourselves, it's powerful. So there are people here that are not with us today that we love. There are people here today that are, are experiencing physical discomfort, emotional discomfort, lack or limitation financially or otherwise. And so what I'd like to invite us all to do, myself included, is to be in that feeling tone of unconditional love. And what we do is, even if we have things we're fixing or trying to solve right now, we can suspend that for a moment and we can just put it to the side and let this be a sacred place and we become that vortex, we become that, that sacred temple. And in that, I think, really is the prayer. And so I'm gonna invite you to sing with me a song and then I will take a moment to once again invite you to step back into this container, this incubator of love, as we go into our prayer. If you're comfortable standing with me or feel more comfortable standing as we sing the prayer, please feel free. And if not, you can stay seated. In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very In this very room, in this very room. Once again, let's just take a moment to step into that feeling tone of unconditional love for self. And if there's forgiveness work that's appropriate in this point in time, perhaps forgiving yourself because you did your best, they did their best, things happen. Let's put it down in this moment. Let's not let that distraction keep us from being who and what we are. And so what I know in this moment is when I step into that feeling tone of unconditional love, the appreciation, gratitude, I breathe in, I breathe out. And as I breathe in one more time, there is nothing, there's nothing, no one and no memory that is restricting my experience of love. And so in this feeling tone, the vibration, the most high, I know everything and anything is possible. That which is seeking us, that's what we are seeking, is already here, seeking and supplying us. That one life, that one presence. This army of light that we are immersed in like smoke. And so I know that that resource, that assistance cannot help unless we ask. And so I ask in this way, I say, thank you, this army of light, this entities of, of, of goodness, this power for good, this presence, this eternal presence is alive here and now, in and through and as our community, in and as and through and supporting and supplying you. So where you have your request, your longing, thank you for the unlimited supply and abundance in my life in a new and powerful way. Thank you, entities of light, this, this power for creation, this, this essence of good. For supplying my physical body for wonderful health, vibrancy, filling my, every cell of my body with that which is required to live in balance and harmony and peace. Thank you for the divine guidance through intuition. Be directed and supported and resourced. Thank you for the opportunity to put down anything and everything that restricts my full participation in life, in joy and in freedom and in celebration. And so I stand in the gratitude and appreciation knowing that something powerful is happening here and now that I have gotten myself out of the way as I stand in love with you. And there's an opportunity for newness. So I stand in the humility and the surrender and the joy and the peace to understand that I am not alone, we are not alone. We are resourced and supplied beyond our wildest imagination. And so I I expand my sphere of availability for good here and now with you. I declare it that which I say I become. And so I thank you so much for allowing my words to be guided by you and to allow my words to be your words as we expand ourselves in the love and the joy, as we give thanks for the beautiful music, the beautiful voices, the beautiful consciousness, and all the wonderful people that have given us this opportunity to come together in the worship of this freedom and our divine nature. For this I give thanks. I give give great thanks for today, for everything that unfolds, now and for each moment hereafter. In gratitude and appreciation, knowing it is already done, in the mind of the one, together we say, and so it is. Wow. That's just a beautiful thing to come together. Thank you so much for setting the stage today. I mean, it's so easy to step onto this this vibration of the Most High Ladies when you, your music is so powerful and beautiful. And I want to just express my gratitude for your being here and for Anna and for your vision and carrying it forward and being with us today. So I wanted to, to share with you uh, today, um, this month, last month was inspired by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., who was here. And he talked, uh, did a beautiful presentation a week ago Friday and talked about what we say yes to. And so today is, is entitled, Saying Yes to What? Because we're always saying yes to something in our lives. And so here, Anna shows up at the choir, and I didn't know the choir was happening today, and of course this beautiful song that she wrote based on the work of Rumi, Jalaluddin Rumi, who is a wonderful Sufi mystic and poet that many of us know, and he actually is the most widely read poet on the planet right now, and probably will continue to be because there's about 3,000 poems that have not yet been translated that still are in the library of Rumi. So what Rumi said this, is that when you see yourself, you will be the ideal of yourself. When you see yourself, you'll be the ideal of yourself. And what Rumi was talking about was that vision and that spiritual awareness and that spiritual nature to see ourselves in the, in our, the true way that we are. But what happens is we go along in life, we have experiences, we have stories, we find, we, we find ways to manage our lives so that we can survive. We need survival techniques to, to manage life because this is kind of what the world has, we've, the world that we've been born into. And so I wanted to to call upon some ancient wisdom today because we talk about honoring all traditions and you'll see there's Gandhi over there and Gandhi comes out of that Indian tradition quite beautifully. Actually, our tradition comes out of what Dr. Holmes was tremendously influenced by uh, the Vedanta and the Buddhist tradition. And the Vedanta comes from the Hindu. Vedanta... Um, is ancient, there's no founder, there's no prophet in India. I know there's a number of people here that have been to India, I haven't been there yet. But in Vedanta, um, it goes back thousands of years. It's probably the earliest form of of some form of organized thought around possibility and around uh, the divine on the planet. About a thousand years prior to the era we call BC, which people say before the common era is what it means. I always thought it was before Christ. So they sort of coincide. But about a thousand years before that, India was 15 times larger than Egypt. So we know a lot of there's a lot of things about Egypt, the pyramids and things, and and wonderful sacred tradition that comes out of Egypt. But India was 15 times larger in terms of its commerce, in terms of its people, in terms of its influence. And one of the beautiful things about it was is that India, one of the things that makes it so unique is they were one of the cultures that actually turned within in their spiritual work. They actually decided that they would do their own inner work and look within. In the West, most of the looking was out. And so when, when the West, when we look at traditions and we look at religions, and it's still pretty much alive today. You know, there's larger organizations, and many of us come from those and we're influenced by those. But the, the look was, in, was outward. So in other words, the conversation was, well, don't think. Suspend your critical thinking. We'll tell you what to think. We'll tell you how to behave. And what we really need you to do is go out and work. Get busy. And in the Indian tradition, they looked within. And all of a sudden, so their whole, their whole vocabulary, their whole approach to spirituality is different. And so Dr. Holmes, in his research, because he was very eclectic, he would read and read and figure out what was important, and then he would incorporate it into what he eventually became what we call our, our, our body of, of uh, language and our body of study called religious science. And so I wanted to talk a bit about the indian influence because it's it's throughout our culture and it continues to expand and it's really the business that we're about in that inward looking and what they dis, what they articulated in the vedanta is there's five reasons for our suffering because what even the dalai lama says now the, the buddhist tradition and the vedanta are very similar very very similar they're first cousins um, they use terminology a little bit different. But the Buddhist tradition and the Vedanta, actually Buddha it was really a graduate of the Vedanta. He took it to another level. But there are two separate paths. One is the Buddhism and one is the Vedanta. And so what the Dalai Lama said was that, and, and they're very mystical. See, the Buddhists, at, at their, their mystical tradition, they understand the continuity of life. They understand the, the generational thing that happens for the, for the soul. But what the Dalai Lama says, he doesn't teach any of that. What he talks about is that there's suffering on the planet. And so what's important for all of us is to end suffering. And so his emphasis is on that, so that the quality of our life is what's most important to him. Because he he understands that when we deal with the present moment and we help shift the quality of our life and we help end some of the suffering that we're experiencing, everyone benefits. And so the five reasons, I'll touch on them um, to set this up, is that, number one, the, the reason we suffer is not knowing the true nature of reality. So our true nature is, is divine. We've always been, we'll always be. But, we're, but how many of us get that? Because especially if we're, if we're domesticated in the West, this whole idea that we must go through certain icons or certain um, institutions to access the divine... Or to to, it's a meritocracy for many that if I'm if I'm good enough in this experience then I will be I I will be rewarded at the end. But not knowing the true nature of reality is a very popular uh, form of suffering, because we believe everything we can believe everything we're told. And the second one is clinging to the insubstantial, which is that we're given ideas, we're given identifications, we're given names, we're given careers, we're given a lot of things. And all those things are, are important, but they're insubstantial. It's not that they're not, not important. Love my family, love the world, want to see the world, of the, all these things. But, but it's, it's, if I lose sight of the fact that who I am and who you are doesn't matter. Because all that stuff is, is form, and form is a result of consciousness. So what's really important is the consciousness. The third one is the aversion to fear. Fear from that which is transitory. So many times what we do, especially in the second kingdom of consciousness is we push the fear down. So we get into affirmative prayer, we get into spiritual practices, and we realize that we can manifest, we can set an intentions, and we can have a certain experience in our lives. And it's very easy to stay stuck in the second kingdom. And and the shift from second to third kingdom requires giving up everything in the second kingdom that that is our survival techniques, which requires great faith, it requires forgiveness, and it, it requires gratitude to move through that threshold. But Second Kingdom is very popular. It's very popular on the planet. It's it's a big part of the the human potential movement, and there's wonderful groups on the planet, and and I think that our our teaching, for the most part, is is very much entrenched in Second Kingdom. What interests me is the Third Kingdom. And so, but but in Second Kingdom, what we learn how to do is manage the fear and push it down so that we can be more, uh, more alive and more vibrant on the planet. Number four is the identification with the false self our ego we think this is who we are we think our name and our car and what we drive what we live in the work that we do is, is who we are and that's very much a part and the ego has a very important part we have to have the ego to survive but it's sometimes it gets out of perspective and we think and we put our emphasis on that or I can and then the fifth one is fear of death that we th- we think that we're, we're we're that we're there's this finite period of time that we're alive when in fact if you look back at the vedantas they realize life's eternal And all the traditions have that, they all tell a different mythology about what happens when we leave this body. So, But there's a lot of fear around death. All of these, all five are contained in the first one, not knowing the true nature of reality, that you and I are divine. We're all connected. Your good, my good, there's no private good. And by the same token, when people are suffering, how do we participate in that story? Because the suffering is, it, you know, suffering is a very, very big part of the world. If you look out and read the newspaper, there's a lot of people suffering. There's a lot of lack. There's a lot of limitation. Now there are people, there are groups of people that would like to to scare everyone. And that's an energy that's alive on the planet. And I don't want to flesh it out with you, but that's that's a reality for some in the world. And so I think one of the reasons that it's so important that we, we come together and we have this discussion, and I have the opportunity and the blessing to help help be at the, the center of that. And, and as I said earlier in the first service, I do these talks based on what I need to hear and what I need to be reminded of and what you sort of guide, guide me in. So a lot of my prayer work in preparing is, well, how can I speak to the heartfelt need of the community? And then I sit back and I listen because I realize I have to get out of the way to be available to that information. But we come together because what happens is what we try to describe, the Vedanta cannot describe what we stand for. They call it that. Thou art that. I am that. That's their term for it because it's indescribable. Brahma. Brahma is associated, I've always associated with the breath of life. But Brahma projects itself as physical universe. So even in the Toltec tradition, they call it mitote, the dream. And the Maya. They also call that the Maya in the the Buddhist tradition. Or they call it meter or movement or matter. There's many names for it. But Brahma is projecting itself all the time. But what's experiencing, what we need to experience for you and I is to be in touch with ourselves. It's the I within us that experiences. So when we trace this all back, it really comes down to you and I being available to the nature of who we truly are. And it's so easy to lose sight of that. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to run off in a bunch of directions. It's so easy to, to, to do a variety of things you know some immerse themselves in a in a in a, a path some get busy making money some get busy doing you know in their addictions with drugs alcohol whatever it may be but all of those are just simply ways of management managing the fear identifying ourselves with our egos i mean we see it all over the place and i you know i see areas in my life where i can i can slip into that so what the Vedantas did is they identified four tools that are important to manage this. And there and the, they're, are they're four yogas. And I've talked about them before But I brought my book on Vivekananda who brought the yogas to the West in 1912. I think it was at the, the Chicago World's Fair. He stood up before thousands of people in a hall and said, brothers and sisters on the planet. And everybody cheered because no one had ever used that nomenclature before on the planet. But, uh, so the four yogas are tools and, and the emphasis, and see what I see happening within our movement and I see what's happening in the spiritual nature of, our, of what's happening on the planet now, which is wonderful, are the four yogas. And they're all contained in what we teach, because I watch different students come through and everyone is drawn in some capacity to different uh, pieces of this. But the first yoga, not the first, but number one I'll talk about, because they're all important, is karma yoga. And karma yoga is about work. So, what we would say in our tradition is that it's important to re- recognize the divinity in all people. That would become our commitment. That I commit to everywhere I look, I see the face of God. You know, that God's, and, and these beautiful songs that you're singing are really about divinity, it's really about recognition, but that's part of our work, is to realize, despite what it looks like at times, God is present. So, there you are. There's Jason God, God Jason. Jason Sue's, Jason, or Michael. Jason sues, what did I just say? God sues. God Michael. But you are one, see, it does work. But the point is that we choose to see the divinity and we make that a way, a practice, a spiritual practice. So when we come together and we do our prayer work, there's one life, God's life, that life is my life. It's also your life. It's not limited to one. But we all get to individualize it. So that's the first one, karma yoga, and it becomes our work. The bhakti yoga, which is what you sang about today, the bhakti yoga is love. So we all love, and love is the easiest path. Love, and it's also one of the most treacherous paths because sometimes we can get attached to things and then it's not love, but we think it's love. But love is what Rumi was all about. You know, and, and what it is ultimately is to fall in love with the beloved. So my beloved is, is primarily in my life, is my, my partner, Laura. But it's also, my, my, when I'm in my meditation, it's the, the experience of the beloved with spirit. When we come together and we create the, the feeling tone of unconditional love, we're creating the feeling tone of the beloved. See, because when we fall into the beloved, it's very hard to kill one another. When we fall into the, loved, it's, the beloved, it's very hard to hate one another. When all of a sudden we realize that the mothers of Afghanistan love their children as much as the mothers of uh, Edmonton, Alberta love their children, it's very hard to hate one another and want to destroy one another. We know that. But there's still people on the planet that, that objectify and don't make that connection. But that's a, it's a very powerful yoga, bhakti yoga. Raja yoga, the next one, the realization of divinity through the control of the mind, which is meditation. So I know a number of us have sat in long meditations. When I was in Abhajani with John of God, most of the time I sat in meditation. The meditation I sat in was supporting everyone in an experience of unconditional love. And through the reading I've met, what makes it so vibrant, and one of the reasons that I spent some time setting it up today, was that when we're in that feeling tone of unconditional love, healing can happen. It's an opening for something to shift and change. It becomes more available. So in other words, we put down our strategies of survival, which are just really the the mechanisms that we manipulate and, and control, and we step into faith and say, wow, something's happening here. It's quite powerful. When we focus our attention on, on, in the meditation on unconditional love, it's that vibra- vibratory experience that allows that shift to be possible. And so there are many people here that have consistent meditation practices. See, when, when we come together, part of what I'm doing is eventually you, you stop listening to me or you listen to me in between the words to listen to yourself. The whole reason, the whole practice we come together and we do the beautiful music is to open us up hopefully in between what I have to say and the consciousness that we, we collectively... See, I'm feeding off you, and, you're, and you're, you're supplying me. And in that, we're lifted up. And what I, well, my opportunity, having done this long enough to know, is to get out of the way enough so that what wants to happen can happen. And it's a very interesting thing because it's, once again, it's indescribable. It's Vedanta. You are that, I am that. And if, if one of you were missing today, the talk would be different. It would be a different feeling tone. And it's not to say we, couldn't, we wouldn't do it. We would, it would just be different. And, the, and you said yes to being here today. What are you saying yes to? You said yes to being here today for some reason. You woke up this morning and something said, you know what, I should go check this out. Something happened this week. Somebody talked to me or something happened. See, that's, that's spirit speaking to us. I said, I should go check this out. I should show up today. And so that's the yes. The, the ones that said no, they're not here with us today. But this is true, of, uh, you know, this is always true of life. What are we saying yes to? Because our yes is so important. But if we continue to feed the fear, we continue to feed our egoic nature without understanding, because we all have the egoic nature. And, and we don't want to kill it, we don't want to get rid of it, we just want to have it in this proper perspective and understand that when it starts to scream for what it needs, say, well, well take it easy. It's going to be okay. All is well. That's when we get into the affirmations or not. And then there's jnana yoga, which is divinity through knowledge. So we're called the science of mind, which is what we're called. And uh, I had someone this, just this week ask me if I knew John Travolta and Tom Cruise again. <laughs> no, I don't. But if I ever meet them, I'll let you know. I'll get a Polaroid with them. Or... But divinity through knowledge, because we have this great big textbook and we invite people to come to class. And see, that's, that's the doorway of knowledge and the challenges with knowledge as your yoga is that what we're trying to do is transcend the intellect we're trying to transcend the intellect with the intellect which is very hard because at some point our thinking won't get us there but it's important to have the discussion and realize and, and that's what I love about you know the Vedanta and the Buddhist tradition They give us they give us places to land so we have a perspective so that eventually we move down the line and all of a sudden we don't even need any conversation we don't even need any words what we're after is the experience and that's really that's a challenge but what it requires is our commitment and our our dedication to it there's so those yogas will will get us there and what happens is we've we've fallen into this dream we all have fallen into a dream. And I'm going to talk about the six states of consciousness next week um, to, because I have a whole bunch of information more. But I, and I'll expand on it next week because it's, it's important to understand, I, I believe, to, to get that and have it in our experience. A number of years ago, Ronald Reagan, um, they did a story on Ronald Reagan, past president of the United States, and he, had, as you know, uh, developed Alzheimer's. And his, his capacities became more and more diminished, and it was on 60 Minutes, and they were talking to his wife, um, Nancy. And Nancy said that that Ronnie would hold, Ronald uh, President Reagan would hold a a small statue of the White House, United States uh, White House. It was a small little statue, and he'd hold it in his hands, and she would try and get away from him, and he wouldn't give it up. And he hung on to it and hung on to it, and finally, after a while, she said, Ronnie, what are you holding? And he said, I don't know, but I think it has something to do with me. And the thing that I, as bittersweet as that is, uh, you know, whether you were a fan of him politically or not, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking beyond that. But it was, here's a public figure that did so much, that was so passionate about what he thought was right, and he took a stand for it. And, and you have to admire that, because it's, you know, it's tough to be a public figure and take a stand for anything. But as he held, held a statue and said, I don't know, but it has something to do with me. It's such a great metaphor and example of us. You see, when we come together and we talk about these principles and we hear beautiful songs about love and mysticism and connection with spirit, when we do our prayer work and and we come into this vibratory tone, our minds can't track it for the most part. Well, it can, but at some point we sort of get exhausted and we just stop thinking for a while. That's why I say sometimes it's between the words, it's between the notes of the music that we hear ourselves. That's that divine presence. And so that's why we know that when someone says we're all connected, there's a oneness, we may not understand it completely. We may not know it clearly in our own thinking, but we know it in our hearts at some level and in our minds at some level that it has something to do with us. I don't know. we got a soundtrack going here. Good, I like it. I can talk through music, but but the point is, is that you know, as bittersweet as that experience is, it just speaks volumes to how you and I are connected, and we know that. You know, there are, there are things happening on the planet. I've been watching some stuff on TV that's about all these popular ideas around how people want to continue to scare us and how we got to be safe. And you know, there's 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 people on the planet that their whole ministry their whole life is around creating fear and and terrorizing one another and so that's go, that's going on and we see entrenchment we see people that get adamant saying this is the only way you know in the in the very fundamental conditions of the world and 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 so the remedy the solution to that is not to oppose it but to t- become so clear about who we are in our connection, and to continue to, to rise in the unconditional love. And to still say what's right when things happen, to be able to stand up and say, no, no, we don't do that here. It's not about being available to anything and everything, but simply but having the discernment to say, no, no, we don't do that here. This is what we stand for. And so one of the great things that we have available to us this day is the Internet. And so, um, and I didn't come up with this idea, but I caught it on the internet, as a matter of fact, watching something and preparing to share with you today. And one of the ideas there is that, that there's billions of people that are connected through the internet. And all of us, if all of us can agree that you're, the goodness in your life and the goodness in my life and the goodness that I want for everyone, a world that works for everyone, has something to do with me, then how do I, how do I become part of the, the um, solution. And one of the things we teach is the power of prayer and mindful meditation. And so I know Anna was part of this when, when we, the ladies, uh, she did her Billion Women Rising movement. But what we need to have, we have the Academy Awards, we have the, the Junos, we have the, the Tonys, we have the Emmys, we have all sorts of awards. We need the Consciousness Awards. So every year we could get together and we could honor people and we could, do, we could tell their story. You know, here's so-and-so and they, and they, this is their path and this is the life that they've influenced. And to start celebrating it. And then what we can do is we can build a movement of not just building people rising once a year or not the World Peace Meditation once a year, but once a week, or once a day, we can say, you know what, we want to bring a billion people together today for half an hour, and we want to, we want to affirm the highest and best for one another. We want to hold the high watch. We want to train our consciousness, so that not only are we using, not only are we using Bhakti Yoga love, we're using our Karma Yoga, which is we made a, con- a commitment to be together and support one another and see the divinity in one another. And then what we want to do is we want to have the Raja Yoga going on, that, that the mindfulness, so that when we catch ourselves spinning into the fear and the lack and the limitation, and then we want to have the yana yoke, d- divinity through knowledge, but not letting the knowledge be the limitation. And we come together collectively. This is what the Internet is for. And then when we come together, and if you can't make it every day, wherever you are, you say, I'm part of that vibration. When I sit in meditation now, I've never, I'll say, since I've gone to John of God, I'll never close my eyes in meditation again the same way. I will never do prayer work again the same way. Because it's shifted and changed within me. And I always thought I was doing it at the deepest levels of my being. And and, and my, ho- my my offering is I hope it continues to change and shift for me because I know that that's what's happened for me. It's the sphere of availability, creating a bigger opportunity for that to be, be my my experience. So when we come together, then uh, what do you think of the Consciousness Awards? Yeah. You know, we could do it. We could have a weekly show like The Voice. We could have three fingers up in the air. And somebody could come in and do affirmative prayers and somebody could do a silent meditation and then we call and vote. You know? And then you get passed through. I'd be a judge on that show. I'm, I'm, I like them all. But I'm just saying, isn't that a possibility? As a movement? And, I, and it is happening. It is happening. And it's powerful because when we come together collectively, man, we're a force for good. We're a power for good. And, it, and, and, and we all get this. So your good has something to do with me. And I don't need to know any more than that. Because I'm for the good, I'm for the God, I'm for the divine. And this isn't something we just thought up. This is just something Dr. Holmes stumbled upon and put it into Western terminology and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna take my critical thinking back. I'm gonna discern and decide what what speaks to me. We're we're a room full of philosophical radicals basically. Because we've stepped out of the status quo for the most part and said, you know what, I am going to take back my critical thinking. You know, and, and we do honor the, the lives of all the great avatars. We just don't have the icons on the walls. Someone had a conversation with me earlier about that. You know, if I start sticking icons on the wall, I've got to put them all up. You know, if I just stick one thing up there, so I'm, I'm going to hear about it. And if I stick them all up there, I'm going to hear about it. And what we're about is the, is eliminating the distraction. Because what we we're here about, it's not the cross, it's not the Celtic knot, it's not the you know, it's not the crystals I out, had out here for a while from Abajani. It's the transformation of consciousness. And it's and it's the mindfulness. It is the transformation of consciousness that we're about, which gives birth to this. And this is what Holmes knew. And this is what people prior to Holmes this is what Jesus talked about. What the Buddha said. The Buddha means I am awake. So, it's our opportunity. It's such a beautiful, beautiful opportunity to be together, to, to share these ideas, to share this beautiful philosophy and community for people can come and they can come one time or they can come for, you know, a season, a reason, or a lifetime. I love that. To offer what we have, the best of ourselves, and to continue to evolve and to deepen and to, to make an impact in our own lives. So we're a contagion for good. So that, that all of us can participate in this, the Consciousness Awards. So I'm nominating all of you today, and so it is.